Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips and advice on writing fast, writing often and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. This is your Prolific Writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. However you found us, I am so glad that you are here. Episode number 71 coming at you today. And today I have a special guest, CJ Johnson on the show. And CJ is a genre hopping YA author. And I want to ask this question. Have you ever felt like you're hemmed in by your genre that I have to write in a certain genre. I can only write in, you know, action thrillers. I can only write mysteries. I can only write nonfiction. And I talk to so many authors that feel like they, they want to explore. They want to expand their wings. They want to get outside the box and try different genres, try different styles, try different books. And there's a lot of advice that says, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't genre hop. It's bad for your career. It's bad for if you want to sell books. And CJ Johnson is showing you that you can go outside the box and and she doesn't want to be hemmed in and she doesn't want to write to commercial expectation and, and, and and it works for her. And and again, that's not advice for everyone. Maybe you're, you're saying, Hey, I need to stay in one genre and not make it confusing. But the, the beautiful thing about the new indie landscape, the publishing landscape, the writing landscape in 2018 or whenever you're listening to this is that we have the opportunity to go outside the box. We have an opportunity to create our own paths and go our own ways and to write what we feel called to write. And I hope you really enjoy this interview with CJ Johnson. I think you will. And you're going to learn a ton from her and her experience as a genre hopping author. And uh, so stay tuned for that in just a few moments. Uh, Before we get to that, just a couple uh, things is one, I am working hard at redesigning, uh, trying to get our prolific writer website, the prolific writer 
net website back in order. And if you noticed, you might have been clicking around and it's gone to different places for a time. And, and even if you go there now, some of the stuff is, is outdated. Uh, but we're trying to get that website back up in action, uh, looking great, but also offering just some killer content, uh, free resources, the podcast articles, and really make it a place that uh, for writers that are starting uh, their journey and, uh, and, and writers that are been on the journey for a while. And, and, and so this podcast is dedicated to helping you write fast, often and well. And, and, and as we've kind of looked at what the prolific writer is, it's also about building a business with your art or with your words. And, and I think that's important that, that, that I've been doing that for a long time now and, and making money with my words, with my books and wanting to help, wanting to give back to the writing community, wanting to do that in more intentional ways and hopefully serve you in more ways. And so, so I've been looking at just different ways to create uh, content to really help you in that journey that of course we, we're going to continue the interviews, continue the uh, bringing on some of the most prolific writers uh, in the world and learn from them and their experiences. But also we want to create resources and content that can, can help you actually do it and, and actionable, actionable content. And, and so we're re- reworking some of those things. We've had some of those things on the site in the past, but just want to serve you well in that way and, and give you real steps on how to do it. And, and also if you're looking to build a business with your words, not just a hobbyist writer, but, but to say, I really want to, um, you know, maybe make a part-time or full-time income from my writing, from my art. Um, we're going to help you learn how to do that and, and do that well. And so I'm really excited about wh- where we're headed, what we're doing. And, and it really, it's because of you, it's because of, uh, your feedback, because of many people writing in asking, you know, when I ask questions, you know, what, what are you struggling with? What's going on? How can I help you? How can we help each other? Uh, there, there's so much of this is, is how do I find the time to write? How do I build a business with my words? How do I, you know, figure this email stuff out? How do I figure out, you know, this and that? And, and, and so um, trying to work hard to, to do that. So you, you might see some more video um, as well on we're going to be uh, launching a YouTube page um, with, with some of the interviews, but also just some other content to help writers and, uh, and start businesses and things uh, with your words and your art. And we're going to be doing that trying to be more consistent with that, uh, more consistent with the articles. And of course we'll continue to work, uh, hopefully launch weekly interviews as well. So wanted to give you just an update on that. been working really hard with that and trying to, to, to get that, get that rolling for you. And, uh, so stay apprised, uh, to that. Um, secondly, and this is just a, a vulnerable moment where I'm just going to share just a total failure and, uh, and that's okay. Uh, that's what this show's about and just doing this in public and, and sharing your, your ups and your downs. So I, I wrote this, this middle grade, uh, children's book, uh, my first go at a middle, middle grade children's book, a children's book of any kind and called the secrets of the ambassadors. And I talked a couple episodes back about pen names and, and why I do pen names the way I am. And it was really funny because I, 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 I talked about why I, I have this very specific pen name. It was it's JB Ryan and it's, you know, my kids books under that name. And, and I wanted to keep it separate from everything else. And I probably had a half a dozen people say, why don't you just use your name? Um, you know, we know you're a writer. It's confusing. People are asking, you know, where can I get the book? How come I can't find it? And you know, I, I was just so worried that I was going to, you know, just make a mess of, of the different audiences and books that people buy. People buy my nonfiction stuff and fiction stuff and I have adult fiction. So how's this all going to going to going to work? And and so after talking about why I use these separate pen names, I've actually decided uh, 
to, to synthesize the whole episode was about synthesizing, uh, you know, trying to make your life focused on the writing and the creation parts and not having so many, you know, websites and social media and, and all these things that just take away from the actual creation. And, and so I've decided, uh, the, the JB Ryan pen name is going away and, and my kids books will be under Ryan J. Pelton. So, uh, you can find all the kids' books there. I'll talk more about that later. But but that was a failure. That that was um, a failure. But at the same time, it, it's it's a lesson learned that that we have this freedom to do that. That it, we can make these pivots when we feel like it's necessary. Um, and, and I feel like for me, and again, it's not for everybody, um, but for me, it's it's to make that pivot, and I have that freedom to pivot. I mean, the the biggest difficulty of pivoting is really getting my cover artist to change the name on the cover and fix a few, uh, words inside the book and, and then send it back, uh, to the publisher and then it's live again. And it, that literally could take a couple hours and it's not a big deal. Um, and that's the, the freedom that we have as, as indie writers and indie publishers. So I'm excited about that. And there's gonna be more books in the series. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So one last thing before we get to the interview is today's show is sponsored by Subculture Corsets and Clothing. Uh, it's one of our favorite unusual clothing stores for clothing and shoes and accessories. They offer a wide selection of men's and women's clothing at great prices. Subculture also offers a cool selection of shoes and accessories, steampunk, gothic apparel, retro corsets, and so much more Subculture Corsets and Clothing. Uh, go check them out. Sh- check out Subculture online at subculturecorsets.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And if you go and buy something there today online, uh, put in the prolific writer. You'll get a 10% discount at, at checkout. Also, if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, they have a store just off I-95. So go, go check them out. They've been really good to us in supporting this show and also many of the shows, all the shows on the Project Entertainment Network. So, and there's also about 24 more pod, 25 more podcasts on the network. So go check those out, Project Entertainment Network as well. So without further ado, here is CJ Johnson. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. Uh, good to be with all of you, and I'm excited today to have CJ Johnson on the show. And she is a genre hopping author and has lots and lots of books. So I'm not going to try to name them all. And she's going to talk about those. Uh, but why don't you say hello, uh, everyone? Uh, or I should say, CJ, say hello to everyone. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> well, it's good to have you on the show. And uh, I wanted to, to start there with the genre hopping, because I think uh, those that write in multiple genres uh, tend to be influenced by multiple genres. So talk a little bit about growing up and you know influences why you write what you write. Oh, well, thank you. Uh I like to, I, well, like my author tagline is um, I'm walking the lines of overlapping worlds. And so I like to play with possibilities. And I don't think that possibilities should be limited to setting. I mean, all you need for a really good story is, a, um, you know, good character and a good setting and then a conflict. So um, I used to teach high school and I, I liked high school literature. <laughs> That's usually why you end up teaching it. <laughs> Um, and I just had a lot of books that I really liked and some that I really hated. And sometimes that's just as, just as good to get your butt moving mm-hmm. to write something better. So, so when you, when you were growing up, did you have, I mean, you became a teacher. I mean, did you have teachers in your family? Did you have books around you, you know, c- creative, you know, like outlets around you? Talk a little bit about that growing up. Oh, it's a weird combination of all of that. <laughs> 
Um, my mother really likes history, so she had a lot of um, like history books. I, I mean, she likes to travel a lot, so I've been to a lot of places that she's wanted to go. And um, my dad was actually the teacher, but he was math and science. So <laughs> I think the only books that he's ever really read are it was the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> and um, I remember he was the one who actually took me to the movies for that one because my mom didn't actually like the sci-fi that much. <laughs> So, so how did you, you know, you kind of grew up in more of a history, you know, math and science, analytical, you know, everything one plus one is two. Um, when did you begin to realize that you kind of had more of this kind of artistic, creative writing thing? Like when did that start for you? It started very early on because my, my dad liked to talk a lot and, um, he would talk with strangers on the phone. Like we still have this joke where when he gets on the line with like a telemarketer, we, we know that things are either going really good or really bad if he, he asks, you know, where are you located today? Mm. <laughs> and he would seriously give out our life story, <laughs> some um, crazy plot line, like between traveling and um, like my sisters and I, we all had stuff going on and everything. It was just so weird to hear him like say that to a complete stranger. Mm. And so I didn't talk a whole lot because I thought that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would write stuff down eventually. And I, I think that's where I think my like of, my love of stories ultimately comes from is I just like having something to say and saying it my own way and having people, you know, kind of like pay attention to me for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, did you have um, uh, brothers or sisters, older or younger uh, around you that were, you know, writing or reading or influences in that way? Um, I, I, my mother hates that I call myself the black sheep of the family, but (laughs) I, um, I'm the middle child that, and I'm a classic case of middle child syndrome where, um, it's just so different from everybody else. It's not even funny. (laughs) Uh, so my, my older sister is a global contracts manager and my younger sister is a CPA. So she does taxes for rich people. (laughs) I'm a creative stay at home mom who, um, you know, just, can't clean or cook to save my life. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're happy though, what you're doing and, and, uh, sounds like you have a happy family too. So we'll get into that actually a little bit. I'm, I'm curious. I know we have a lot of, um, mothers that write as well and finding the time to do that, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so you write, uh, quite a few, and I don't know if they're all YA books is majority of your stuff. YA? It's the only thing that I can kind of consider the, the common thread. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I say why, um, but there is a little bit of a range. Some of it is a little bit younger, so dipping down into the middle grade, and then some of it's a little bit older, reaching out to the new the new adult. Okay. I don't actually like to write like trade books in the sense that like adults would like only adults would really enjoy it, or only adults wouldn't be weirded out by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think I, I like um, I like taking a message and making it understandable, and mm-hmm. um, it's harder to to have that range when you, when you deal with adults and they kind of know certain things, whereas kids are still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I find it interesting with the YA, um, audience, I guess you could say is, you know, so many adults read YA, um, kids read YA. So you're kind of like, you know, what's the allure, what's the, the, the attachment to it. I mean, some YA is kind of extreme and some's not. So it, it, you just never know what kind of what you're going to get now. Um, I noticed you, one of your little taglines, you said you like to write, you know, non-cliche YA. So, so how do you, how do you define that? Uh, it's just different. 
Um, I don't like um, a lot of the troops that people use. Like, um, like I'm one of those, those um, I guess, it, like I have a very strong like moral background where it's like I don't believe you can be in love with two people at the same time. And even if you are, you can't like just switch it on and off. Mm-hmm. So like the Twilight. Like uh, it was funny because my sister-in-law's, like my my husband's sister and his sister-in-law, his brother's wife, they both really liked the Twilight series, and so I read it trying to like get to know them before we were married, and then I I, I made the mistake of saying this is every teenager's wet dream, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and kind of um, saying this is not how real life works, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's where a lot of my work stems from is like this is not how real life works. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually do get disappointed and disillusioned and you have to really work hard not to lose hope and like having a vampire and a werewolf type thing fight over you. is not really ever going to happen. <laughs> Wait, so, what? are you, are you serious? Come on. Yeah, who, sometimes who the, ugly, the ugly duckling doesn't grow up into the swan. It's just an ugly duck. Right, and, right. <laughs> but they make for good Hollywood movies. Um, and, and, well, of course. And I think that's good. I think what you're, you're, you're describing, I may hear this theme kind of, you know, some of the answers you've already given is just, you know, saying, Hey, I have this, this strong convictions. I have this message that I want to get through in my books. And I think that's, what's so beautiful about art and literature is really, you know, every, like you were saying, you know, every story is essentially the same. I mean, you need good conflict, you need good characters, but the setting's different. Um, but your, your voice, your angle is going to be what makes it unique. I mean, there's a million fantasy books, a million sci-fi books, you know, YA but it's your voice that's that's really gonna gonna stand out. Um, so when you're when you're writing, and this this might be selfish because I I'm I just wrote a middle grade book and I have a couple more coming out, and um, I had written some nonfiction stuff and some adult stuff, um, adult fiction stuff, and um, I, I found the the challenge of of a kids book um, a, a good challenge, and I, ha- I I have four kids and so they helped me as well and um, kind of employed them to say, does this make sense and is this over your head and and all that. Um, but you know, when you think about young adult, um, I know you talked about middle grade as well, but is there a different muscle? Is there a different mindset when you go into, you know, I'm going to write this, this YA book. Um, are you thinking about certain things? Are you trying to get a certain kind of, kind of voice? I mean, I'm assuming you read a lot of YA as well. Um, but you know, talk us through that a little bit, just those of us that are listening, you know, thinking about why, I mean, is there a certain kind of tactic that you employ or is it just more kind of feel? Um, well, one thing is like, I, I, I'm, again, it comes down to the, the, the moral conviction is like, I remember being a teenager very well. <laughs> um, you know, like having the maturity of an adult is definitely a different mindset. Like I swear when I was turned 26, something changed. It was like, Oh my gosh, I was just horribly misguided mm-hmm. person and very insecure. And, um, you know, I mean like life circumstances and changes do kind of help with some of that. Like when you, when you fall in love with somebody and you get married and you're committed to someone, you know, it's different than wondering if you're never going to be good enough for someone. <laughs> so there's a certain level of confidence that comes from things like that. But, um, so like the, the thing for me for that is, you know, what are the, the, the mindset of a teenager? What are their priorities? Like when I was talking about Twilight, every teenager, every teenage girl wants somebody to fight over her. And, you know, to a large degree, like my um, one of my big criticisms of kind of like the, the the new literary criticism that people are using today is that like you have the um, you can't 
like women have to be strong characters. I don't actually agree with that. I actually think it's really fun to have kind of this insecure, bumbling, sort of angry, <laughs> you know, character who, you know, just doesn't like they have to figure some things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so like as a teenager with the different mindsets, like starting in a middle grade, you it tends to be a little bit more simple because your life is still very black and white. You've had probably some experiences that have colored in some of the gray lines here and there, but ultimately you're still, um, you know, there's an idealism and an innocence to childhood Mm -hmm. that when you grow up, it gets broken and you kind of have to find a way to, to move the pieces back into the puzzle. (laughs) And, um, so like, um, one of my, one of my consistent, Um, part of the reason I write YA it's a very central theme in the YA literature but it can also happen with middle grades Um, it's just a little bit more simplistic you get a little bit more complicated as you grow up the 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 age limit for it no and I I think that's um, actually a great encouragement to to those that are writing maybe younger stuff as well as because you always think well how do I as an adult write through the lens of a 12 year old Um, you know my my main character my middle grade was a you know 12 year old kid and, and yet it's amazing. I mean, you, you nailed it. it. I remember being 12. I remember being 11, 10, like the insecurities, the, you know, are they going to think I'm cool? You know, but then also being, um, so insecure, f- falling on my face, making mistakes over and over and over again. Like that's more realistic. I mean, it's, it, you know, I'm mm-hmm. writing this kind of action adventure stories and it's like this kid, Ricky is such a clum- clumsy kid. Like he wants to do well. He wants to make his dad proud. He wants to, you know, finish mm-hmm. the mission, but he's always falling down on his face. He's throwing up. He's, you know, and, and those are the things I remember, like just riding the bus to school and just being like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is terrible. Everyone's looking yeah. at me, you know? Um, yeah. and I think it's not as far away as people realize when you try to tap into that. And I think maybe because as adults, we're still fight some of that 12 year old insecurity, you know, it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what? you what you've gone through, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. One of the nicest and oddest surprises of becoming an adult and becoming a semi-responsible adult is that you realize that you still don't have it all together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people like around you are also not they they don't have that. Um, you know, there's like the secret to to a successful life is just keep trying sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it means failing. Sure. So do you, um, do you read a lot of, of YA? I mean, is that kind of, um, authors always differ on this. Like sometimes it's the stuff they write is the stuff they read, but, but are you still pretty broad when it comes to different genres and things? Um, it, uh, I am an eclectic reader. I, my, um, uh, I might, the, the book that I finished last was, um, called Cacophony by Jacob Baird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, story about um like a small texas town and kind of like demon um <laughs> demon play playground type stuff mm-hmm. and um but then i also read like fantasy and memoirs memoirs are actually really really fun for me i really like taking your life experience and because they're real problems you know sure and there aren't too many like good memoirs written by teenagers <laughs> <laughs> right so, Right. So I um so I stick to a lot of trade books myself actually. Mm-hmm. I like taking I like writing to a higher level uh, even if I'm talking about something that's more on their their level. Mm-hmm. So. 
that's good. No, and I, I think that's funny because, you know, not funny, but, uh, you know, a lot of authors I interview, you know, it's amazing how much they don't read in their own genre and they realize history, biography, memoir, you know, even though they're writing sci-fi or they're writing thrillers, whatever it is, really influences just how they think about the world. And, and you know, you, I think reading, you know, is just one of those things that it, 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 it challenges you and stretches you in so many ways and, and the way you think about people and story and, and all that um, is great. And so... Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit, um, because part of your story is, as you mentioned earlier, that you're a mother and you have children and, um, and you're a writer. And so, um, you know, w- one of the emails I get probably more than, than anything is how do, how do you find the time to write? And so let's talk a little bit about your process, just juggling, you know, being a wife, being a mother and writing and having other responsibilities. Um, you know, what does that, what does that look like for you? I mean, is there a typical day, a typical week? And then kind of, you know, even talk through, you know, how, how does that look through the different seasons of, of motherhood and, you know, even before that? Well, I, I do like to start off with the, the catch that I am really fortunate in that my husband has a full-time job and he takes care of the bills. <laughs> um, it was his dream to be able to get into a position to support me throughout my writing if I needed it. And he's there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hallelujah, he's there. <laughs> Um, my kids right now are five and three and they, they are not in school just yet, but they, they're going to start school part-time this year. And so it is, it is really, really hard. And I think the more introverted you are, the harder it is to, because your kids, like they're still people and people drain you. Like, um, I, (laughs) my claim to fame is that like I took the Myers-Briggs, um, it's like that cursy temperament sort of two thing when I was in college and I was a hundred percent of an introvert and I took it again recently and I'm only 85 <laughs> now, but it's still, it's not much different. Mm-hmm. You know, I call them my little energy vampires and their nicknames are Phobos and Demos <laughs> when I want to talk about them without them listening. <laughs> um, and I like the analogy that they're the children of the God of war because it's just chaos. Motherhood has mm-hmm. become synonymous with chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's – so I have the, the financial means to, to do it. I have um, a lot of support from from family and friends in town to do it. Um, right now my kids are off with one of their babysitters mm-hmm. <laughs> while I do this. And so it is – I am very, very fortunate when I'm not very, very fortunate, because I'd always like to write more, mm-hmm. um, most of the time it comes down to outlining, um, you know, going over character. I think it's easier to to have um, a physical, like, movement associated, like, writing it, act, like, actually writing it down versus typing it. I, um, I like typing it because it's easy to correct and it's quicker, mm-hmm. but I, I still, like, I know some authors do the, they do that dragon speech thing where they have the, they can just talk and it mm-hmm. types. I'm like, I don't know how you do that because it's like so quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so there's lots of tricks that you like as a mom, like I've used and tried and have, I always go back to the paper though, the physical outlines, the character descriptions, sometimes drawing the character out or seeing a picture of it helps a lot. Like what does this person look capable of? What's this motivating force behind this character's actions? And is there anything kind of contradicting it? <laughs> contradicting it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best thing I can say for mothers who are swamped with kids and fathers too, you know, um, is just keep daydreaming. Daydreaming is the, the beginning of everything. 
Um, I once told a teacher, and she thought this was like amazingly profound. <laughs> I just kind of laugh at it now, but um, if I could do one thing for the rest of my life, it would be daydream. So, <laughs> so I like to play with the different possibilities. And mm-hmm. like I said before, like all you need is a character, a conflict, and a setting, and then you can make it as mm-hmm. complicated or as simple as you want. No, that's really good advice. I, I think, um, you know, the, the subconscious is such a powerful thing. It's like we, we've absorbed so many stories our whole life and our minds are always constantly going. And, and so even during the day when we're not, it doesn't feel like, well, I'm not writing right now. You know, we're, we're dreaming up, we're thinking about, you know, what's going to happen next and where do they need to go? And um, no, I think those are all really good. So, you know, like a daily, I mean, do you have like a daily writing um, kind of goal or habit or um, when you're working on a book, like in the middle of a book, or is it just kind of like, uh, do you have deadlines? Do you do anything like that? Um, most of my deadlines are self-imposed and they mm-hmm. fluctuate because I, I make the joke. I work for myself and my boss is a pushover. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like to have, um, like a, I'll, I'll take a month or two for a book, depending on how long it is. So I have a couple of novellas that it's like, I need to do this in two weeks, get it done. If I'm doing something else, um, like one of the things like I, I, I personally believe is a good idea is diversifying your product. Mm-hmm. So audiobooks, if I have an audiobook that I want made out of my book, I need somebody that can do it in a month, you know, and I try to be very strict with those deadlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have a graphic novelist that, I, that I'm trying to get my one book changed into a graphic novel. So it's how long would it take you to do this? You know, it's mm-hmm. 65,000 words, you know, can we do a chapter a month type stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that that is really helpful is having self-imposed deadlines and then, you know, kind of giving yourself grace or other people grace if you, <laughs> if, if they need it or if you need it, because there always are caveats to, to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's, so let's back up a little bit. So when you were writing your first book, you said, okay, I, I'm going to do this. You know, I don't know what it's going to be or, or my first novel or whatever. When you think back kind of your early process versus now, I mean, I don't know where you were in your life, but you can, you can share that too. Like how, how has that evolved? How's that, how's that changed? What have you learned kind of along the way? <laughs> I've learned that I'm not a very nice person. <laughs> <laughs> My first book, um, that, um, the, the first book that I, I published under my C.S. Johnson name, um, I've written before under my maiden name and my books under, I like my C.S. Johnson name. Uh, you know, it's a perfect combination of C.S. Lewis and Samuel Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep, you know that God had a hand in that one because mm-hmm. he likes, he likes amusing me. Ha ha ha. And, um, Kind of like I tell it was cheap therapy for high school. <laughs> I uh, I really hated high school, <laughs> and I and part of that is because I hated how I was in high school. Mm. But um, the Starlight Chronicles comes from the difficulties of just dealing with with certain people and trying to 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 have a conversation with somebody who doesn't really want to listen to you ultimately. Um, the Starlight Chronicles is my superhero fantasy story and it's, it's kind of like a, um, a narcissistic teenager finds out that he has, that he's a fallen star and he has superpowers and he doesn't want to save his city. <laughs> and a lot of it is because of this and this and this, and that's what he says, but it's ultimately because of fear 
And I, I really hated how afraid I was in high school. So that's kind of like me trying to kill it, I guess. <laughs> kill it and make a point about it at the same time. Well, I think some, some people say, you know, your first book is always like most of you. I mean, everything you want to kind of get out, everything, you know, and obviously we change and we grow and mature, but, but it's like all those things you want to say. And, and sometimes that's why our first books are almost autobiographical, even if they're fiction um, <laughs> and you're trying, it's healing, you know, sometimes it's healing. It's like yeah. these things you're going through. And I always tell people, you know, writing is such a great therapy because you're able to kind of deal with your own pain and your own struggle through fiction and kind of get it on the page, you know, hopefully harnessing some of that anger and, and struggle on the page yeah. and not towards other people or, you know, yourself or whatever. Um, and, My process that has become more enlightened. I would say right, right. <laughs> where I can just toy with ideas instead of trying to enact them. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so those that are, are listening, I mean, we have, we have a, a variety of, of writers, you know, just starting and, and veterans and everyone in between. Uh, you know, when you think about kind of that, you have a lot of books, you know, you've, you've genre hopped all that, you know, some of the common advice is, you know, don't genre hop, you know, we pick one genre and just stay there, live there. Um, what would you tell someone that's saying, but you know what, I can't do that and I would be bored and that's just not who I am. What, what would you say? Some of the things you're learning just to kind of keep things in order and, you know, say, Hey, this is CS Johnson. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Um, you know, you know, any, any advice you can give us? I, I I would say honestly, like the there's a difference between writing to create something and writing to sell something. And a lot of the 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 don't genre hopping thing comes from the sales end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see where it makes sense because <laughs> mm-hmm. there are some authors that I've read that they have different um, they have different styles of writing or they have different genres of writing, and it it doesn't always work or it doesn't always not work you know it's kind of a mixed bag Mm -hmm. um so like if somebody reads my starlight chronicles for example and then they go to my divine space pirates trilogy i mean it's completely different in terms of genre it's um a different pov it's a different set of characters in conflict it's it's most people who go from the Starlight Chronicles enjoy it, but I found like most people who start with the Divine Space Pirates and then go back to the Starlight Chronicles are like, is this the same person? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's a legitimate question, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell people who don't want to don't want to stick to a particular genre, just don't. I mean, like, um, if you're worried about sales, there is always the pseudonym, you know, and um, I can kind of see that. I don't do it just because I like being a contrarian for one. And I don't think that anything I write will deviate from some of the, the, the core principles of what I do, which is I like to ask goofy questions mm-hmm. that are either, I mean, that, that range from, you know, philosophical to theological, to political, to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to just crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's, I mean, the the nice thing about like you know America frankly is that you can really be yourself mm-hmm. you have the freedom to be yourself and you can um, you do get pushback because not everybody likes that <laughs> but you can literally do anything you want and I think the big thing for me is you have to make it make sense mm-hmm. you know like um, like I don't like the worst thing for me is having a story not make sense in some way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the out of character 
thing. Like when somebody miraculously does something or changes their mind for no apparent reason, that bothers me. So, so as long as you make it make sense, and, um, and if you want that freedom to genre hop, to be yourself, to play to your own heart's kind of tune, you know, go ahead and do it. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're worried about money, there's nothing wrong with writing to sell specifically. But I think that, you know, your heart also has its own um, kind of say in things. Mm-hmm. So can't all it can't all be about the money <laughs> yeah yeah no i think that's you got to live with yourself too um yeah. yeah no i think that's really helpful i'm i i don't take my own advice and i don't take your advice um and it's probably hurt me in some ways but um i uh i've experimented with kind of open pen names and and just saying you know like i'm one person but these are the names i write under because i, I write in such extreme you know i do nonfiction and fiction but i do like christian nonfiction and then adult fiction and then kids kids fiction so um and you know what's funny is just being open about like i'm ryan j pelton that's who i am um mm-hmm. with these three pen names like it hasn't really hurt me actually at all like when i my email list i have it all kind of mapped out you know different groups of people and i get people that want the nonfiction stuff or they want the fiction stuff and like even though those groups of people never interact or probably different mm-hmm. kind of desires or whatever like it's just i think just being like you're saying authentic and just saying this is just who i am um i think if you're purely fiction i almost say like there's no reason to use a pen name honestly i just i think i mean i like what you're doing and i think you know i've heard some other dean wesley smith and some other people i I appreciate just say you know in our day and age yeah you can be who you want to be and and you know pen names historically in the past was because traditional publishers um couldn't get books out fast enough and so people would write under pen names because they need to get paid and they had all these books, you know, but now it just doesn't matter. I mean, if, if people like you, they like you and they like your stories. And, and, and I think if you're like, you're saying open about it, Hey, you might like the fantasy. You might not like the pirate story. Like they're very different and, and that's okay. Like, but I'll have other stuff, you know? So, um, so thank you for that. I think, I mean, we didn't solve any problems today, but, um, this will always be, you know, I think personal preference and, and a lot of times it'll be. Like you said, you know, is it about selling? Is it about heart? Is it about both, you know, living with yourself? Yeah. I mean, there's no gospel truth here, I don't think, um, as far as <laughs> nobody's going to come and find you. Well, that's why I like the C.S. Johnson name. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like going by my, my you know, first name. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think um, just, I like having having the initials. It does, uh, kind of like I said, like with C.S. Lewis and Samuel Johnson, it gives me something to aspire to. Uh-huh. And my work is still all of my work is one giant love letter to 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 other people, my readers, to to God, and to other people out there. And I really want that you know level of inspiration that makes me be the best person that I can be, and give me the the courage to 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 try something new and maybe fail even mm-hmm. if I you know if something does happen like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's great. I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, courage is only really courage if you know the risk involved. Mm-hmm. So if I fail, I fail. But if I succeed, I've beaten failure. So <laughs> so uh, I, I know this isn't always the authors differ on this question, but the, the just the marketing promotion side, like you said, hey, you know, it's it's not about sales or, or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. just as you've, you've kind of looked at, you know, your books and getting them out in the world, you know, anything that you found, like, helpful, I mean – um, things that you just say, you know, this has really worked for me or this is just a, a, you know, 
or maybe some ways I've failed at that and, and it's not working as well. And now I'm doing this or anything, anything you want to share with our, our community? Um, probably my biggest advice in terms of marketing is diversification. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do, like I said, like, uh, the audiobooks are getting bigger. The, um, the market for them has drastically increased. And I know like I live in, in Atlanta and we just have this new law where you can't like talk on your phone and drive. Mm. So a lot more people who commute, they listen to audiobooks. Mm. So the audiobook market is going to probably get an uptick here thanks mm. to Atlanta traffic <laughs> for all the road rage that it inspires in the meantime. Right. Something good might come out of it. <laughs> um, basic stuff, though, I think is um, you should have a newsletter, um, mm. MailerLite, MailChimp, you know, uh, constant contact, some way to get a hold of people and let people get a hold of you if they like your work. Um, that's probably the biggest tool that I use Mm -hmm. in terms of I pay money for this and I'm okay with paying money for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but, um, you know, like that, um, to to know your readers because there are days when like I have a Facebook group from, for my, like my arc team, my street team, people who like my stuff and, they kind of get to see the behind the scenes stuff of this is going to go in this book. What do you think? And I can get feedback. Um, you know, and I've had a few points where people have made, Hey, what about this? And I've changed it based on that. So it's kind of nice to have that open communication with people, especially people who like your work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, um, so the, the, the news list, finding a way to communicate with people to, to reward the people that you like or that like your work and, tell you that they like your work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I think the second thing is, um, don't be afraid to give stuff away. I mean, like I tell people all the time, um, you know, like when I give a book away, it's, it's, it's not a book that I'm giving. It's my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm giving my heart away. And the, the thing about that is that people can reject you for it and mm-hmm. you just got to take the hit and keep going. Mm-hmm. So, cause the people that return, you know, your heart with their own, that's the real kind of, um, that's the reward from the risk. Also. Well, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, I just, uh, I had a uh, Dean Wesley Smith on here a few Well, actually I think last year now, but, um, you know, he just did this big pr- promo. He was talking about this free book, but he had this, he has this big series and he says, you know, giving away free books is not, not forever, but what it does is it gets people into my other, you know, books in the series. If they like the book and they found me and it's just a way of, it's a long-term goal. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think what I hear you saying with newsletters too, it's you're building a long-term relationship with people. It's, it's not, I think everyone thinks like you just send out an email and then you got 9,000 sales and you know, then you, you go on a boat and then you just sip, you know, iced tea and everything's great, but you're thinking about long-term because some people aren't going to click and they're not going to click or they like this thing and, and they kind of forget about you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I love that because I think indie authors especially have kind of, you know, direct access to people. And, you know, you can actually have conversations, get to know people. And I I love that. I mean, I love doing this podcast for that reason. I get emails all the time and like actually know people and I've met people and got invited to a, you know, a a writer's workshop thing just through Mm -hmm. the podcast. I mean, whatever it is. Um, And I I love that because there's that that human element we forget. And I think sometimes that's the best way to sell sell stuff, Um, you know, over time. And they trust you and they go, hey, she's a she's a good writer, you know, or he's a good writer. Um, Yeah. 
the community element to the the marketing, you know, either it's commiserating, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really helpful too. So, and and that's like people can give you different ideas, people can give you different resources or different links or, mm-hmm. um, oh, just the, there's a, when you have more people helping, you tend to get better help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you you talked earlier, you know, you have kind of a, a team of people, you know, you got you know people doing their audio and editing and covers and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Do you have like goals? I mean, when you're thinking about like production and you're publishing, I mean, it's essentially a business, you know, you're publishing business, you're writing business, you know, are you thinking about like long-term goals? Like I want to get uh, this and many books done this year. And do you have that kind of mapped out or is it more just kind of go with the muse and, and see what, you know, if the kids are happy or not, or, you know, how do you, how do you work that? Uh, well, again, I'm very fortunate in that I do have such a supportive team. If I gave up tomorrow, I'd have people say, well, you did a great job. Good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by the way, go back to teaching. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, that, that's the thing that really keeps me going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the um, my overall goal right now, right, honestly, is is I'm – I mean, I learned a long time ago through teaching that you don't change the world, you know, um, you change a person, you change hearts. And if I can, so when I, um, when I go through my work and I'm writing something, usually, I mean, uh, it's to a, not any particular person, it's to a particular kind of person. Um, you know, someone who is looking for entertainment, looking for truth, looking for wisdom, looking for a new way to see things. You know, that's kind of, I'm just trying to help that one person, even if it's myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, if at the end of my life, I've only helped one other person, you know, is it worth it? And I had somebody actually ask me, you know, is this worth it for you? And I was like, no, this is not worth it for me because I have a lot of problems actually with rejection, with criticism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, there's a difference between critique and criticism. Sure. But um, I've gotten my share of angry emails and Facebook comments. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to um, to face up to somebody else's kind of like expectations that you're not really planning for. Or they, they assume that you're planning for them, but you're not. So, <laughs> I mean, like, and then the editing and the characters and everything and stuff. Like, my imaginary friends give me the problems that mm-hmm. sometimes you do just want to give up. And it's, it's, um, it's not worth it for me for just me, Um, but it's worth it for that one person that I might change their life, might point them in the right direction, be there when they need it. And, um, you know, like if I did have a financial goal, I only really want to be able to write to be able to, um, to take care of some of my bills. And I actually have, um, next year I'm going to, save up and file the paperwork for the 501c3, <laughs> but I have a charity coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right now it's, it's being built. It's in the process and I'm really, really happy with it. Um, what it is, um, live and And it's this, um, it's a website that fundraises for student loan help in a mm. sense. That's great. So yeah, I really want to help people. <laughs> right. And, like I said, writing is a terribly odd way of going about it. <laughs> sure. Well, and, and I think what I hear you say is is a lot of authors are in the same place. I, I think, you know, I don't want to say most, but, <laughs> excuse me, um, 
you know, they're, they have bigger, you know, um, or they have different intrinsic motivations. It's not just about making a lot of money and sitting on the beach. It's actually like, they feel like they can help people with their books or their message or, you know, provide for this cause or whatever. Cause when I hear people talk, it's amazing how much they don't even talk about their books. They talk about, Hey, the money I got from these books, I'm giving to this, this charity or this, you know, this thing. That's what I'm really excited about. So it's, it's funny how it's just a means to other things. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time that I already have the greatest compliment ever and I, I don't need another one and I'm fine. The rest of my life was just a woman who, who read my book. It was a fiction book and she was in the hospital having surgery. And it was just one of these stories of thank you for two hours just to forget about the pain I'm going in. And it was a fun story. And again, the, the message wasn't, you know, didn't change her life, but it was just having a little bit of diversion to, to engage in a story, enjoy it while she's sitting quietly in this, you know, hospital room alone and, and feeling kind of, you know, sad for herself and, and going through some pain. Yeah. And, and, and those are the things you don't, you don't expect. You don't expect when you sit and you labor over this thing for hours and hours and hours to have those kind of comments or, you know, uh, our feedback and go, wow, geesh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did that. Um, yeah. I made a promise to myself a long time ago that I would be who I was no matter where, what position I was in, you know, and that doesn't change. You know, like I tell people I'm going to be the kind of person that I'll talk about God and blowjobs in the same tone mm-hmm. of voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be the kind of person that's too faced about my work or about my anything really. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to be deceptive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got imaginary worlds running around in my head. I can't keep up <laughs> yeah. with that and my own, right. um, you know, kind of delusion. If, if I let myself move myself into thinking reality is somehow different than it actually is. So one question I, lo- I love to ask our guest uh, is, you know, you've had some success. You've you've written all these books. You're, you know, people reading your stuff and and you're enjoying it. You're starting nonprofits. You're doing all this. Um, yeah. What what is a, a a time or 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 a situation where you know in writing and publishing where it didn't go that well? And what was kind of the the lesson learned there? Um, I think one of the because I have many genres and because I have um, a lot of books and stuff I think the hardest thing for me is finding a community that kind of um, appreciates that if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, you know you have a lot of writers groups that, um, that that kind of center on certain topics and I think the hardest thing for me is to not let other people define my work if that makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so like, um, uh, like when I make fun of politics for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> or when I make fun of religion, you get people on both sides because it's fun to make fun of both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you get people that will, um, will say, I thought you were like this. I thought this was supposed to be like this. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, and you have to say, did you like actually read it or, <laughs> or do they have a point or, um, you know, that's the problem with the people who are critical of my work is I don't think they get it on some level. But I mean, like, is it my fault that they didn't get it? Or is it, are they just going off of what they heard maybe? Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's important to, to make sure that people know how you define yourself and how you don't define yourself. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. That's helpful. So one of the things I wanted to, to talk real briefly about was your, you just had a, a, a Comic-Con, correct? 
And, yes. Um, yes. Was that now? Was that in the Atlanta area? I I forgot all the details. Yes, I think it's one of their first years doing it down here in Atlanta. So um, it's very big, very loud. <laughs> so yeah. So talk talk about. I mean, I, I've never been to one, but I mean, I've I've you know heard heard of some some big ones in like LA and things, but. Yeah. T- tell us like who, who goes to these things? Like wh- what did you do there? What, you know, what was it? Just give us a little kind of rundown. All right. Well, Comic-Con is um, pretty synonymous with comic books and comic book mythology. So you have a lot of people who are fans of like, um, like the Marvel cinematic universe and the DC cinematic universe, the, um, the, the comic books, you have a couple of indie comics, um, that are also there. A lot of, um, anime, a lot of, um, kind of like, cartoon characters like i saw a lot of scooby-doo which i was excited about <laughs> my kids would love that oh i actually got my kids came on this the last day and mm. i was really glad it was the last day because it was it was a, like the the big fans had been weeded out mm. <laughs> um but um yeah i saw there were lots of um local kind of indie artists there too i was next to dragon beak um and I was across from Mo Ballinger. I was, I mean, there are some big names, very small names. Mine was among them, so you know it was very small names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we had our share of famous people come. Um, Jeremy Shada from, um, like, the voice actor for Lance from Voltron and Adventure, Finn from Adventure Time, who's there. Um, I had some Disney princesses. Uh, Billy West was there. I, I heard him do his... Um, uh, a couple of his voices that he does, and it's really fun. Mm. <laughs> um, Bill Hader, like a lot of people that are like, um, I, I know the big names were Carrie Ellis and Sean Austin and Michelle Nichols, uh, people. So like lots of people, lots of uh, ranged from, you know, kind of like this acting to creating to collecting. Um, there were a lot of cosplayers. Mm. <laughs> And so those are the kind of people that I would say go to that thing. People who get excited about more than just the movies, you mm. know, uh, the, the real hardcore fans. That sure. So were you actually selling books there? Like, did you have a booth and everything? Yes. So my friend, my author friend, uh, Matthew Quinn and I, we decided to split the cost because it is Comic-Con, so it's a little bit pricey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had, He's a horror writer, um, so he's got a book called The Thing in the Woods, and he was selling that one. And I had my small collection of uh, um, science fiction, fantasy, and fairy tales. Mm-hmm. I will say he did a much better job than I did because he only had like one or two books to sell, and I had like six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's um. You know, like it, it's kind of like the whole pitch thing. If you're not interested in 11 seconds, you know, a lot of people don't really want the follow up of, well, I don't have, you know, you don't want this, but would you be interested in this? Mm-hmm. And if they've already been disappointed once, it's hard to get them interested <laughs> in something else. Right. So. so, you know, an author that's, that's listening, you know, thinking about going to a conference or Comic Con or something, I mean, do you think it's, it's uh, worth the time, the money, the effort um, as far as selling books, getting, getting to know some fans, getting your name out there? I think it's worth it if you have people that um, can kind of go with you. I don't recommend it as a, as an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't the first time I've been to a con. I mean, I, um, before I went to Sci-Fi Valley Con, it's a little smaller, and um, it's in Altoona, PA, instead of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no airport there that's reliable anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've done it alone, and I've done it with people. And the big takeaway from this was – easier to do this if you have um 
if you have somebody there to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was joking all weekend that he's my bathroom buddy, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Matt's stuff is, um, it's also nice that his work was complimentary to mine because I have the fantasy sci-fi kind of, I said it was the fluffy feel-gooder and he's the gritty grim dark guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to get more people to, to come to our, our booth and check us out and stuff. Um, as far as, um, as far as like an indie author thing, I would say, um, if you, if you have a pretty big following, it might be worth it to go. But if you're just starting out, maybe go ahead and skip it for a while. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's kind of a bigger expense. I mean, parking alone was $65. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it's a big event. And yeah, parking in Atlanta is not fun either because there's always a mess of people. <laughs> um, so I would say um, always make the smart decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, try it out. Maybe do some smaller ones. In Atlanta, the nice thing about Atlanta is that there are tons and tons of smaller cons. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the big one that gets people from, from all over because their advertising budget, I imagine, is much bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's like MomoCon and there's um, there's um, there's Sci-Fi Con up here in, in Cartersville. And there's uh, just a, there's a ton of smaller ones around here that, that are kind of build your way up to, you know, that might be more economically viable. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think, I think that's wise too. I think if you don't have a following, you know, or you're just starting out, you know, maybe start small. Um, there are so many, if you just look in your local area, so many conferences, workshops, you know, big and small. Um, yeah, start, start small. I, I've heard a lot of indie authors. I like what you said about collaboration, you know, getting mm-hmm. some people that may be similar to you or somewhat similar to you and, and doing some smaller things. I know a couple guys that write horror too, and they do like, little local breweries and they do like a fun event or they'll have a band play. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of a fun thing. I mean, yeah, they may sell 10 books. It's fun, but, but you know, Hey, those 10 books get in the hands of people and they like you and you know, you build up a, a fan base. So, yeah. you know, I think, of, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one of the things I'd really like to see the indie author community do more of is uh, like library visits. If you can, mm-hmm. um, I'm very pro library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's great for classrooms too, especially classrooms in like, I mean, with Atlanta, you do have, um, you have such a wide range of, um, like budgets as far as new books. And a lot of libraries are open to donations and to, um, you know, like, especially if they're, you know, they're kind of sparse on the shelves Mm -hmm. and, uh, if you can get people excited about books and about, um, coming doing classroom visits. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest um, sales that I had was from a lady who she teaches uh, English in one of the counties outside of Atlanta. And she was really excited about, since I lived close, she and she said, you know, maybe you can come in and do a talk. I have to ask my principal, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, get get the kids interested in, in, in writing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> so That's great. I'd really like to see more indie authors try try that route. Um, you know, it's easy. It's, I mean, Comic-Con is very well known, and it's it's very big. And sometimes you lose a lot in the big the bigness of it all. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I, th- I think especially if you're doing, like, middle grade and YA, I mean, there's a great opportunity there just to even start with your kid's school if you have kids or mm-hmm. someone you know or in, in your local community. Um, they're way more open than I think people realize. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, that's great. So, um CJ, it's been great. Um, so what are you working on and uh, what do you got coming out? And then how can people find all your work? 
Okay, well, um, so what am I working on now? Um, right now I'm working to the sequel of my just released book. So I got a new book. It's Kingdom of Ash and Soot. It's my historical spy thriller. Oh, fun. <laughs> um, the sequel is called Prince of Secrets and Shadows, and hopefully that's not too big of a, of a spoiler for book one. <laughs> um, and it's a really fun book. It's kind of um, set in Prague in the 1870s, and um, it's kind of like Cinderella meets history meets Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anybody who would hate all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'd hate to meet the person who can hate all of it. <laughs> um, but I'm working on the sequel to that. I'm about halfway done. I'm like a month behind schedule, but I'm halfway done. <laughs> um, and then once that book's out, I'm going to try to finish the trilogy. Um, I like working with trilogies. Okay. And um, and then I just got to keep going. So going. And then where's the I, best place to find all your work and uh, get in touch with you? I have my website. It's uh, www.csjohnson.me. So csjohnson.me. <laughs> Great. Um, and then there's Amazon too under C.S. Johnson. Yep. I'll put that in the show notes. Well, CJ, it's been wonderful. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you helped a lot of people just by sharing your experiences and your story and all the things that you're doing. And so I'm really thankful. Uh-huh for the time and uh, all the best. And uh, yeah, we'll hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, CJ Johnson. Thank you, CJ for coming on the show. What I love about CJ is, is no fear for coloring outside the lines for, for jumping around in genres and saying that this is what I'm called to. This is the stories I want to tell. And that's the freedom that we have as, as indie writers, as indie publishers is to paint outside the lines. And, and that may be you, that may be you, maybe you're feeling this stress or you're feeling this tension that, you know, I have to write this genre because this genre sells, or this is what I read, or, or maybe you feel like you want to experiment, but you, you feel like it's, you know, well, I already have these other books and I can't do that. And, and I would just say, if that's you, just go for it. Just try it. Experiment. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and that's the beauty of the indie publishing world is, is we have freedom to experiment. We have freedom to, to create. There's no more gatekeepers. Um, you, you can do what you are called to do as a, as a writer, as a creator. And, and that's the beauty of that. So thank you, CJ, for coming on the show. Go check out her books. I'll put all the information in the show notes. And before you leave... Uh, before it's what's fresh in your mind, could you go leave a rating or review on iTunes? If you found this show helpful, if you've been enjoying the show and maybe this is the first time you're listening to us, maybe you want to go back and listen to, you know, we have 69 more episodes, catch up on some of those. Uh, it really would mean a lot to us to get the show out into the world. So if it's on iTunes or Stitcher or Google play or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, please leave a rating or review. It really helps us get the show out into the world. And thank you everyone for your feedback and comments and just the encouragement that you've given me and how the show has helped you. And we're going to continue to help each other, continue to serve you, to help you write fast off into well and build a business with your arts. And, and that's our, our, our hope and our goal. And I'm looking forward to continue to building out the prolific writer to be everything that it, that it could be and, and serve as many people as possible. And so before I go, I just have one more thing to say is go get those words on the page. No, seriously, go get, go get them on the page. It doesn't matter if you want to try a different genre. And CJ just told us you can, you can write in different genres. Go, go try it. If you want to write 
you know, that nonfiction book, you want to write that of action adventure story that you haven't written, just go do it. Just, but go get the words on the page. This is the prolific writer for crying out loud. We write fast, we write often, we write well, and, and we do it over and over again. Okay. It's time. Stop listening to podcasts. Stop listening to my voice. Go get the words on the page. Until next time, I'm Ryan J. Pelton. Talk to you real, real soon. Once upon a time, a madman, poet, and thief known as John Urbansick, that's me, challenged himself, myself, to write a story a day, every day, for a year, by hand. Some of them worked. Some of them failed. Some of them were spectacular. Then I did it again. Join me every week for Ink Stains as I do it a third time. And I will read you some of these stories. I'll talk about the process, about creativity in general, writing in specific, and maybe I can help ignite your artistic adventures. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 